Hey, how's everybody doing? And welcome back to 125 Unfiltered, episode 41. And today I'm going to be breaking down the NBA playoffs uh, through the first five days. Each series has gone at least two games, and it's been fantastic so far. Some really, really good games over the past few days. Last night it was the Hawks and the Knicks going at it as the Knicks even up their series, getting their first playoff win in eight years. The night before that, it was the Lakers evening it up with the Suns. Uh, Anthony Davis having a big bounce back game. We're going to go in depth on every series uh, since we are two games in we have a good idea of where these series could go I didn't want to do this after one game because I'm not huge into those uh, quick reactions where people when Phoenix won game one people got really excited that hey the Lakers might lose this series but in my head I was like just wait it wait a moment slow down it's the defending champions it's LeBron James Anthony Davis they'll bounce back in game two uh, and there's really nothing to worry about here and that's exactly exactly what happened there for the Lakers but regardless, let's just hop straight into it. We're going to go through all eight series, and we're going to start with the Lakers and the Suns. Game one, all Phoenix. Devin Booker put up 34, showing why he's just an absolute star. He's got a little Mamba in him. Such, such a good score. And DeAndre Ayton was a huge surprise, dominating Anthony Davis in that matchup. I believe he scored 22 points, and I think he had a double-double shot, uh, 10 of 11 from the three, uh, from the field, rather, 91%. And Anthony Davis had a very lackluster performance, uh, 13 points, 5 of 16 shooting, I believe. Uh, just didn't look engaged into the game. Uh, but the big news from Game 1 was Chris Paul's injury. Went down with a shoulder injury, finished out the game, but he just didn't look like the normal CP3, especially scoring-wise. Uh, he The shoulder's definitely giving him some pain. That shooting motion isn't the same. He shot a couple in the fourth quarter, even made one, but he was kind of just flinging it up there. So that is a huge problem for the Suns uh, because not only is he a great uh, leader, a great point guard, he's going to step your offense, but he scores. He scores about 16, 17 a game, and they're going to miss that scoring because Chris Paul is not gonna, really going to be able to do that. Plus, that's another guy who can make shots in clutch time uh, who's potentially compromised due to his shoulder. But in Game 2, the roles flipped and the Lakers took care of business to even up the series. And Anthony Davis bounced back, scoring 34 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists. He was a monster. Game 1, the dude didn't touch the paint. It was all jumpers and, again, Aiton dominated him. But game two, he got in the paint, he went to work, still made shots from the outside, and he showed why he is a top five player in this league. When Anthony Davis plays like it, he is undoubtedly a top five player. It's just sometimes he takes the night off or isn't fully engaged or it's just a bit lackluster out there. Uh, but this is why I love Anthony Davis's game so much and him as a player because whenever he puts up those performances, he always bounces back the very next game with a stellar star performance. Um... And and he proved it in game two, and he's going to continue to keep playing like this because uh, that's a huge game for him to find his groove. And again, if, if he has another bad game, people are going to overreact, say Davis needs to play better, but he's always going to bounce back. He's proven it throughout his career, did it last year in the playoffs, and obviously did it against Phoenix. And obviously with LeBron James, LeBron is LeBron. He's, he put up 23 the other night. He's going to continue uh, being him, even if he's on a leg and a half or not. Uh, obviously love his leadership, going to Contavious Caldwell Pope, telling him to shoot. Uh, he's definitely the point guard of this offense, and he's he keeps proving his greatness. Why he's going to be a top player ever in the history of basketball, and obviously that clutch time three to seal the deal against Phoenix uh, definitely uh, helped the Lakers there. 
So that series is one-to-one. So where do I see it going from here? With Chris Paul's injury, I don't see how the Suns can get past the Lakers. I'm, I still got the Lakers in six. I think the Suns can win one more game. But with Chris Paul's injury, that's it's just a massive blow. Cameron Payne has been very nice off the bench. And guys like Cam Johnson, McCall Bridges, they have contributed. But Chris Paul was a huge piece for the Phoenix Suns. And if he can't score and, he, and he's not 100% healthy, Lakers are going to win this series. Because with him, I saw them potentially going to seven, but still losing. But without him... I still have the Lakers, and they'll win comfortably in six. They might lose one more, but LeBron and AD are going to take care of business. The defending champs are not going down round one. So next series, we've got the Clippers and the Mavericks. This one really surprised me because I thought the Clippers, who lost a 3-1 lead last year to Denver, were going to come into these playoffs and be just come out guns a-blazing with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George going on a revenge tour, trying to prove to the league why they are the superstars that they are. But the Dallas Mavericks have just completely outplayed them. Luka Doncic has been the best player on the court each game. He scored, what, a 31-point triple-double game one, 39 in game two. This guy is everywhere. He is so good. So dominant, a uh, great, great passer. He's got vision like no other, getting his teammates involved. Tim Hardaway Jr. has been fantastic. I believe he had 28 the other night in Game 2. Dorian Finney-Smith hit some good threes in Game 1. Porzingis is playing pretty well, too. This supporting cast for Dallas has been fantastic, but that is only because Luka Doncic is setting up this offense <clears throat> and controlling the game. Luka Doncic is proving at 22 years old why he's going to be a future MVP, and I'll just say it. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before. Last year, I called him overrated, and my God, was I dead wrong because Luka Doncic is a superstar, and I love his game, and I love what he's doing, and he's talking trash to them, talking trash to Pat Bev, talking trash to Marcus uh, Morris. He is running the show right now and giving it to the Clippers, and Part of me is happy to see it because it's just great basketball, but I'm just very disappointed in the Clippers. Yes, Kawhi put up 41 or 42 the other night. Paul George had 28. They're scoring well, but just the Clippers as a whole, they are not playing good basketball. And some might think it's offensively because their role players can't score whatsoever, and it's just been Kawhi and PG, but I'm actually mad at them defensively. When it mattered most, the Clippers couldn't get a single stop. Obviously, it's hard to guard Luka because he runs the pick and roll well, but he was finding teammates, and teammates were wide open. In game one, uh, to seal the deal, Porzingis had a dunk, and he's just wide open because they try to double, they leave him open, but this Clippers defense, they are scrambling, they cannot guard Luka, they can't even contain him, they are letting him run the game. And you can't do that. You have to shut him down and compromise him as much as possible and make these other guys beat you, which in game one kind of happened because in that fourth quarter, uh, Luka only scored a couple points and it was uh, Hardaway Jr. and Brunson and Finney Smith uh, making those shots. But you got to live with that because you cannot let Luka control a game. But it doesn't matter who they throw at him. They're not stopping him, even if it's Kawhi Leonard. And this team is full of so-called great defenders. Patrick Beverly 
who has been a pest, who was praised for his defense on Kevin Durant a couple years ago, even though Durant dropped 50 in the closing game. Is he really that good of a defender? Marcus Morris, are these guys that good? Are they just annoying to play against? Because, again, Luka is giving it to them. And Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, I know they're guarding him and they're getting switches, but you got to stay on this guy. You guys are some of the best defenders in the past decade of basketball, and you are getting worked by Luka. Clippers have no answer defensively. If they keep playing this defensively, it is over. I personally believe the series is over, but unless they fix their defense, because the offense isn't the problem in, in my opinion. Kawhi's been really efficient. Paul George has been pretty good offensively. Reggie Jackson poured in 15 the other night. Obviously, they need more support from role players like Rondo and Ibaka, even though Rondo only got 19 minutes, which is a problem in my opinion. He needs to play more. But defensively, if they can't stop this offense in the pick and roll, it is over for the Clippers, which would be ironic because this was a team who was praised when they were assembled for their defense. And Tyron Lue has not made any adjustments at all, aside from saying, let's just put Kawhi on him. That hasn't worked. They need to trap him. They need to double him. They need to get the ball out of his hands as much as possible. They need to fly around defensively because they have guys capable of doing so. So... I picked the Clippers in this series. I believe I picked them in six. I'm going to have the Mavericks winning in six now. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to switch my pick in my bracket, but seeing the outcome, I believe the Mavericks got this series in the back. I do not see the Clippers coming back from 0-2 down. We'll go to the Eastern Conference now. Uh, let's go with Knicks and Hawks. Fantastic game last night. Watched the entire second half. Um... Loved, loved what the Knicks were doing. Derrick Rose, just a quick Derrick Rose, uh, just a praising tour for him. His journey is just inspiring. Tearing his ACL was the youngest MVP uh, the league in, in the league, and his comeback tour slowly but surely. He was making it, did pretty good on the Timberwolves. Then he goes to Detroit, he's playing good there. Then the Knicks trade for him. And he was the best player for the Knicks last night. Put up 26 points, 9 of 21 from the field. That's near 50%. But it's just, it's great to see Derrick Rose thriving. And I mean, obviously he's never going to be his normal young D-Rose self. But this could arguably be the best he's ever been since the since young Derrick Rose on the Bulls. Without a doubt. Tom Thibodeau did a great job putting Derrick Rose in the starting lineup in the second half because Alfred Payton, decent player. He's not it. He's not the answer. He's only good defensively. Such a liability offensively. You need to start Derrick Rose in Game 3. After that performance, there is no way that Alfred Payton should be starting Game 3. That'll be a huge blow for the locker room, for the fans. You can't have that because, I mean, the Hawks are just going to look at Payton and be like, let's just let the guy shoot. He can't score. Derrick Rose is a way bigger threat, and I love what he has been doing. So shout out to Derrick Rose. Now, beyond that, this Knicks team is obviously, you know, more than one guy. Julius Randle finally kind of got into a rhythm in the second half last night. Horrible in the first half, but he put up 11 in the third quarter, finished with about 15. Reggie Bullock was fantastic. UNC alum, or I don't know if he's alum, but he went to UNC. <laughs> Reggie Bullock had four threes last night, a huge one to put him up 96-91 late in the fourth quarter. And defensively, Bullock has been fantastic. Uh, guarding Trey Young, he was pretty compromised in the second half, especially that uh, that fourth quarter. He only had two or three uh, big plays, and then Trey Young was just shut down uh, for most of that fourth quarter when he came in. But speaking of Trey Young, who put on a show, especially in that first half, why was he on the bench? 
for eight straight minutes. This is the playoffs, and Nate McMillan is a fantastic coach. He has turned this Hawks team around. Why are you going to let the Knicks go on a run and get this crowd going when you were up 15 and keep Trey Young on the bench? Once that game was tied, you should have sent Trey Young back in the game, say, hey, go in right now. We'll get you a couple minutes of rest later when you get back up six or eight points because that's what Trey Young is capable of. Why was he on the bench? It makes absolutely no sense. I know that's part of your rotation. I know you are trusting your role players, but Gallinari couldn't hit the side of the backboard. My God, he was horrible. Lou Williams couldn't buy a bucket. That bench squad was not getting it done, and they needed Trey Young back in the game. They needed Bogdanovich back in the game, even though he didn't have his best shooting night. And because of that, they let the Knicks gain momentum. They let them gain a lead. And even when Trey Young tried to storm back, it was too little too late because the Knicks were already in rhythm with Bullock hitting threes. Obi Toppin had that awesome alley-oop to get the crowd rocking. And everyone's been saying it on TV, but the fans were fantastic. Uh, that's a great, great playoff environment. Madison Square Garden finally getting to see a playoff win. Uh, I want to touch on game one, though. Trey Young... Uh, again, he's just been fantastic this whole series, really proving why he's a superstar, even though he's been overshadowed by Luka due to that draft day trade. But the game winner in game one, man, that was cold. That was cold. He was just flew by the defense for an easy layup. But now it's 1-1. So who do I think has the edge? Atlanta is the more talented team. They have more scores, more offensive firepower. But the Knicks have more defense. It's offense versus defense, a classic battle, and the Knicks have way more veteran presence. Taj Gibson was crucial last night on the boards uh, and defensively. Obviously, Bullock, Rose are great veterans. Randall, it's his first time in the playoffs, but um, and he, he's going to figure it out. I think he's going to bounce back for a huge game three because he hasn't been shooting the ball too well from the field the past or his first two games in the playoffs for the Knicks. But because of that veteran presence and that defense and the experience that guys like Derrick Rose have, I'm going to stick with the Knicks in seven. I think they can get this done. Even though the Hawks are the more talented team, they are not the more disciplined team because the defensive efforts from the Knicks last night were just outstanding. Shut the Hawks down to, I believe, 35 points in that second half. And that's the reason they won this game due to, uh, or along with big shot making from Bullock and Derrick Rose. So those are really the three big series that have been talked about a lot. I will, I'm will i going to run through the other ones as well. Probably won't spend as much time on them, but those are the big ones that I've really been paying attention to. Uh, Bucks versus Heat. Uh, Bucks are up 2-0. Winning that game one was huge for Milwaukee. That was that was from the mental uh, the mental game for the Bucks. Uh, mentally, they needed that win, and Middleton you know, hit the game winner with uh, 0.9 seconds left. Uh, he's been a great for the Bucks. Drew Holiday, my X Factor for this series. He has been outstanding on both ends of the floor. He had a huge layup in game one to go up three because uh, I watched the end of that one. Didn't see game two for uh, Milwaukee, which ended up being a blowout. Uh, but Drew Holiday's presence, uh, not only is he a good defender, not only does he have all that playoff experience, but he's another ball handler. He's another uh, clutch uh, shot maker uh, for Milwaukee when Giannis can't really get going in the clutch because you can really double down. He's not much of an ISO player uh, to shoot like perimeter shots. That's Middleton's job. That's the role he's been assigned. But Holiday is another person to do that to take the stress off of Giannis and Middleton. So that big three, uh, they're really playing well right now. And that game too, they just beat 
Miami to the ground, and they've got it going. They're going to win this series, uh, like I predicted, because if uh, going back to the game one point I made, if Miami wins that series, it's last year all over again for Milwaukee. Maybe they collapse. Miami gets confidence, like, oh yeah, we can do this again. But no, this is a different Bucks team. This team is better. Uh, they're they're playing more together. Giannis is figuring out his role a little bit more. Uh, Middleton, I think, is playing a lot better, and obviously the addition of Holiday. But you also have guys like Brooke Lopez, DiVincenzo, uh, Bryn Forbes, game two. Man, he put up uh, a lot of three-pointers there. Love this Bucks team, and uh, I'm very excited to see if uh, they can get past the Nets in the next round because I do believe uh, they will beat the Miami Heat. But for Miami, real quick, Jimmy Butler's just not scoring the ball r- r- well right now. I believe he was 4 of 22 in game one and 4 of 10 in game two. He needs to be better offensively. He needs to be more aggressive. You're the star of that team. Uh, 10 points will not cut it for Miami. And just another side note, uh, Tyler Hero, where where has he been? I don't he's not been playing many minutes. I know he's had a rocky sophomore season, but this is the guy you need to have uh, play a lot of minutes. He should be your sixth man off the bench in my opinion. I know you got guys like Drogic off the bench, but Tyler Hero needs to be in because he is a shot maker. He can provide a good punch off the bench, uh, especially with um, even though Kendrick Nunn's been in the starting lineup and Duncan Robinson, he had a good game one, but Tyler Hero needs to get more minutes in there. Next up, the Utah Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis steal game one with Donovan Mitchell out. Uh, John, or Dylan Brooks, rather, had 31 points. He's just been fantastic. I love how he's getting a lot of shine because he's an undrafted guy, uh, played at Oregon, and he has grinded his way to make it in the league. And he's just playing fantastic basketball right now on both ends of the floor. But as I expected... Donovan Mitchell comes back last night, and Utah handled their business, winning by 12. Mitchell had 25. Mike Conley had 20 points and 15 assists. 15 assists. I believe he had 7 or 8 in the fourth quarter. I love Mike Conley so much as a player. I'm so glad he made that all-star team because he deserves it. And he is huge for this team because he, again is another guy who can set up the offense instead of Mitchell, take some ball handling abilities or some ball handling responsibilities away from Mitchell who is coming off of that high ankle sprain. Gobert had another really nice game, uh 21 points. I believe he had uh four blocks. Don't know I he probably had double digit rebounds. Uh Bogdanovich uh is playing pretty well aside from that first half uh in the first game. Uh, you got Ingles, Clarkson off the bench who put in double-digit points. Ingles was 4-4, four four, actually, for 14 points. This Jazz team is just really good. They're really deep. They are nine deep. They can play all of those nine guys. And uh, from, from top to bottom, really consistent, really good players. And they're going to beat Memphis. I, I didn't believe uh, for one second that Memphis uh, could could steal this series after winning game one because I was like, just wait till Donovan Mitchell comes back. And this Jazz team will be back in the, uh, in the flow of things. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, but speaking of the Memphis Grizzlies, even though I've been talking about them, John Morant, 47 points. This guy's going to be a superstar in this league. I mean, I know he was two for seven from three point range, but uh, 47 points in your second playoff game. He is so, so fast. He is lightning quick when he gets into the paint. So crafty as well. I just love his game. I love his aggression. I love how he goes at it. He tried dunking on Rudy Gobert last night. But the combination of him and Dylan Brooks, they can win you a game or two more, 1,000%. But at the end of the day, Utah is just the better team. They've been the best team in the Western Conference uh, throughout the season, uh, even though Mitchell had his high ankle sprain, which 
I, w- I was very pleased to see that he was uh, back into the swing of things last night because I wondered how he would be. At first, he looked a little slow, but that was probably just him trying to get into the rhythm of it. But he hit those two threes to start the game, and that was it. Donovan Mitchell is back. Utah is rolling. The Utah Jazz, my big upset pick, uh, or my bold pick to make it to the Western Conference Finals. They take care of business last night. It's 1-1. Still have Utah winning in six. But that's been a really cool series because both of those teams don't get a lot of shine. They're really showing why they are uh, some solid teams, uh, especially Memphis, because no one expected them to be in this position. And John Morant, again, put on a show. Blazers Nuggets have not seen much of this series, but from uh, some of the highlights I've seen, uh, there's no answer for Jokic for the Blazers. Cantor and uh, Nurkic, they can't stop the Joker. He is just... The eventual MVP has just been a stud. I believe he had 38 the other night. Like, my goodness. Joker's going off. Aaron Gordon played really good defense in that second half on Lillard. Michael Porter Jr., I mean, he obviously is playing pretty decent. I Again, I don't know have all the stats in front of me, but that trio is going to need to continue playing well for Denver to, uh, to win this series. But I'm still going to roll with the Blazers. Damian Lillard had a monster first half in Game 2. Uh, obviously slowed down in the second half, but I believe that they will prevail Prevail because without Jamal Murray, that guard play is just too inconsistent for me. I just can't, I can't believe in it. I just can't. If the Blazers lose this series, we could see some major changes down in Portland. So that uh, I don't have much there because I definitely, I need to watch the Blazers a bit more. Uh, obviously they're guard heavy. Uh, the Nuggets are forward heavy. Uh, very two very different teams, but I need to watch it a bit more and uh, can definitely bring some better analysis for the next episode. Nets and Celtics. I have watched some of this, and man, that big three just looks unstoppable. Kyrie, KD, James Harden put up 82 combined in game one, even though they started out a bit slow. Game two, Joe Harris erupted for 22 in the first half. This team is so good offensively. I don't know if people realize because they haven't played much together this year. But they have so many scoring threats on the court and just top-level scoring threats. And they're going to take care of Boston easy. I think it's going to be a sweep. I gave Boston one game, but I think this is over, obviously. I, I, we all had the Nets winning this one because the Celtics look defeated. Without Jalen Brown, uh, they lose a huge two-way player who can put in about 20, 25 points a game. Uh, so that that's easy here. The Nets are going to win this one. And with the way they're playing, especially... Uh, defensively, they've been a lot better than people expected. Uh, just like I predicted, they'll uh, breeze through the Eastern Conference Finals, or through the Eastern Conference. And then lastly, you got the Washington Wizards and the Philadelphia 76ers. Sixers take care of business in both games. Game one was a, was a little bit um, a little bit closer, but Tobias Harris, my X Factor, I told you guys Tobias Harris was going to be instrumental for the Sixers playoff run this year. Uh, he had 37 in the first game. The next game, I believe he had, uh, I think he had. He was in the 20s. I checked uh, in the fourth quarter, he had about 19. But game two, it was Ben Simmons. Uh, with as much hate I've given Ben Simmons, I love this performance from him. 22 points, I believe eight rebounds and nine assists. This is what I want to see from him. I want him to be aggressive. That's exactly what he was last night. I want him to get scoring. Go look for your shot, even though uh, you're not going to shoot from the outside. Look to go into the paint. Get out in transition because Ben Simmons is so good in transition. Obviously a stud defender. Uh, Again, even though I gave him some flack for not being able to make a jump shot. 
he's still very important for this for the Sixers team because he's going to shut down the other team's best player. And he is your point guard. He's running your offense, and he needs to get touches. He can't be passive. He can't just have a, a three of seven or three of six night or four of eight and just not be a factor offensively because that's where they can get in trouble. That happened in game one. That gave the Wizards a chance. But with Embiid just being a monster down low because the Wizards have no answer for him, with Tobias Harris playing well, and with Ben Simmons being aggressive offensively, this is an off. This could be an offensive juggernaut throughout the playoffs. For the Wizards, obviously, Westbrook and Beal are going to put up their best fight, but they just don't have the pieces yet. This team is a couple years away. They need some more guys. Uh, they they don't have the answers defensively. The only way they're going to beat the Sixers is if they outscore them uh, in a high-scoring shootout, but Westbrook had his injury last night. And again, with the way the big three for the Sixers are playing offensively, I don't see the Wizards uh, really being able to take back this series. Now, with that being said, I do see them winning one game uh, at their home stadium in Washington, D.C., but I, I see the Sixers probably sealing this up in five. Would not be surprised if it was a sweep, but I'm going to give B and Westbrook one game. I'll see if Westbrook uh, gets uh, healthy enough for to play game three and be at his, uh, be 100%. Obviously, we saw last night the fan throwing popcorn on Westbrook, which is uh, just, just extremely disrespectful, and uh, I heard the word disturbing. That's a good way to put it. Uh, that fan obviously should be banned from the from the stadium for life. You just can't treat players that way, especially when he was injured. That was just wrong, and fans got to be better because we see that from Philadelphia fans. I mean, are we surprised that's Philadelphia? But then we also see New York Knicks fans, you know, raising the level of uh, of fun and intensity at that game, and uh, we saw how the players were thriving off of it. The crowd was going insane. That's what we love to see in playoff basketball. Not this guy pouring popcorn on a injured player going into the tunnel when his team's down like 17. It's horrible. Hopefully the NBA takes care of this issue. The players vocaled, uh, were uh, vocalizing the need to protect their players. And I believe that Adam Silver uh, will 1,000% do that. So that's going to be the end of this episode. Uh, this has been a very fun recap. Definitely, uh, I wanted to be below 30 minutes, and I have achieved that, thankfully. But uh, I will probably get another episode to you guys maybe around the game, at the end of the game four mark. I don't want to do it every single game because that I feel like that would probably get a bit redundant. I could, it could be shorter episodes. I'll have to see. Definitely going to bring a couple more guests on to talk NBA basketball. I'm planning a guest episode in about a week or two. And we'll, I'll keep you guys posted on my analysis and my thoughts for the NBA playoffs because, again, it's been really good so far. There have been some really solid games. There are some series that are going to go seven games, in my opinion. Even the ones that go six are going to be fantastic. And I'm going to be right here to deliver you guys my thoughts. So with that being said, thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll speak to you guys next time.